0: water in his veins I you't think of a better place to industry street. Than death Valley death
1: Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. This is your host, Nick. I'm joined today by Cody. We're here to discuss our instant reaction to Clemson's 2018 Orange and White Spring Game. Cody, how are you doing?
0: I'm great. I'm great. It was a good, uh, it was a good start to the, the spring, to say the least, or a good, good start to what I guess you could consider the, the football season. Um, I, I was really, really giddy yesterday, and I, I shared my excitement. I think you were pretty pretty giddy, too. This is probably the most excited I've been um, in any year that we've covered the podcast. And of course, dating back to like when I was in school during the Baden era, like, of course, it's more exciting than that time.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think throughout the last maybe three or four years, just this concept of expectations has uh, been a funny thing for us to deal with as Clemson fans, you know, just with the success of this era, kind of riding the upswing and now dealing through the last couple of years of transition. But um, I think for us, Um, just when the defensive linemen announced they were coming back, that sort of completely changed um, not only our expectations for this coming season, but really the, the ceiling for this team jumped up probably, I would say maybe one, one and a half wins overall. And um, I I know you guys, you you and I have talked about this. um, A lot of, a lot of my Clemson friends have as well. This really feels like a championship team. It took the field yesterday at Death Valley and, Um, I mean, we're here to break this down, give give our instant reactions, but one of mine is, um, I feel like we have so much talent up and down the roster, there really wasn't a single position group that stood out as um, inferior in any way, or even average. I mean, I I think we've we've got high talent and playmakers throughout that really can win you football games, um, and I feel like they will.
0: Definitely, I had the same thought, and I went through the rosters, orange and white, and I was looking at you know just like kind of who had the advantages, uh, you know, particularly offensive line, but just trying to look at the first team units for each. And through and through, aside from safety, which we already had depth issues, Tanner Muse didn't play. Um, I think it was I can't remember another player wasn't wasn't uh, didn't play as well. So we were we were like uh, we were walk on level at the safety position. But no, you're 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 exactly right. Every position had talent, like not maybe not starter level talent right now, but like four-star, you know, good prospect type talent. And yeah, like echoing what you said about the return of the the big three along the defensive line, like I've compared it to like house money in the, in the sense that like, I did not expect them to come back, but now that they're back. um, Well, I I think we had a puncher's chance at a a national championship or like a a clear path to the playoff without them Uh, with them. Uh, I'd say we we have to be favored favored or right there with Alabama. So, um, yeah, but yeah, for the spring game, tons of tons of talent. Um, it's it really is an embarrassment of riches. And and one last thing, we talked about. Um, I think what was it? Was it three years ago? Um, the shaky cam where we weren't even on ESPN. Like I guess that was going into Sean's sophomore year, our first national championship run. We had yeah. the shaky cam, and they didn't even they didn't even televise us. Now they have they have us on ESPN with. Chris Fowler, the the voice of College Game Day, or the, the play-by-play for College Game Day. So we, you know, quite a quite a way we ways we've come in the last three years.
1: Yeah, it's a phenomenal. Point. Uh, what was happening with that one? and that was the twenty fifteen. I'm sorry, the 2016. Um, no, I'm sorry. It was the 2015 spring game. They were remodeling the uh, kind of the press box, so where they normally would set up with uh, field cameras, uh, there were none, and the, basically the game wasn't even televised. So we had kind of a bootleg feed that someone posted to YouTube that all of us rewatched. It's kind of crazy, but um, yeah, I mean, you know, Clemson being one of, I think three school, three marquee schools with Alabama, Georgia, and I think Ohio state to get nationally televised spring games, everybody else you had to dig deep into the watch ESPN app to, to kind of watch their game. And um, I personally don't plan on scouting any of our opponents uh, through their spring game footage, because maybe this can transition us to talking more about this game Spring games are glorified scrimmages. You know, it's it's split it's a split team scrimmage. You spread your talent a little bit thin. So there's only so much that you can really learn or glean or take away and just from in terms of scouting, there's also only so much you can read into the play calling and the offense that's called and kind of the defensive strategies because they're not trying to run their marquee offensive plays and it's really just about, you know, getting guys reps, um, seeing what what you got from throughout up and down the depth chart. And I think that's, it's kind of instructive and useful in in that aspect, but there's definitely a lot of reading into what happened yesterday going on. And I'm I'm saying we should probably pump the brakes a little bit on that stuff. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, I go both ways. So one, you definitely should take everything with a grain of salt for all the reasons that you just mentioned. Um, It's kind of like spring training in baseball, like, you know, it's not, it, it's a sim, you know, it's a simulation. It's not lesser competition. Um, some, like you said, some kind of restricted play calling, but at the same time, you can't, t- you can't not take something away from what you saw yesterday. Like there were things that you saw, like particularly with some of the, I think the, a couple of guys that were just clearly more talented than everyone else. Like Those things, I mean, you can't take nothing away from that. Um, we'll go into kind of the player performance and things that stood out, but, um, Clearly, one thing you can take away is there's a lot of talent, like just athleticism and talent all throughout the roster at every position.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think what, what also under maybe the final thought I have about this game in general, what's kind of cool and I, I actually feel like it was downplayed yesterday, um, even more so than it was a year ago, which is the recruiting element of this game. I think last year, Xavier Thomas uh, committed to Clemson on the spring game day. Um, we had some excellent commits going on yesterday. We're not gonna really dig into those in this podcast. We'll get um, our co-hosts Ben and Sam back on to talk about that stuff. But I think you know that's another thing. This is this this goes back to your point about ESPN and it's a tremendous branding experience and opportunity as well. And um it's it's definitely paying dividends. We got some signees yesterday, but I felt like this year it wasn't even as much about who's there visiting, like who are we trying to convince the signed with Clemson and they definitely had a lot of talent in in town yesterday I think it was really about learning about what's going on with this team what do we have at certain position groups and kind of just watching the show watching the Trevor Lawrence show watching the T Higgins show for the most part and the Christian Wilkins show too Um, for me those three names suck out the most if you had asked me on Friday who I would have expected to stick out the most it would probably have been those three so we got what we what we thought we would
0: yeah, it was kind of there was kind of like a spectacle. There's, you know, it was a, uh, it was basically like a, you know, a three-hour, two and a half hour long Clemson infomercial. And I know, like, <laughs> like you yeah. mentioned, you said that no one outside of Clemson is is watching this, and that's probably true to some degree. But you, I mean, some recruits that are tenth, eleventh grade, but like you said, there is a huge uh, leg up you're getting in re- recruiting, and those guys are watching it. They want to see what Clemson's all about. Uh, the parents are probably watching it, and they, you know. They, they had some really nice things to say about Clemson uh, well, and the, the brand has been elevated. You know, it keeps, it, it's being more and more elevated every year, it seems. No, you're right. Um, I remember one of Dabo's
1: kind of side interviews that they were doing throughout the day, which by the way, I really like the format ESPN had of, you know, mid play, mid drive, mid sequence, they would kind of interview Venables or Dabo get, get their thoughts on what just went, happen, just went on or kind of break away and ask questions throughout the, the game. Um, something he said is in this sport, they don't really get to he was talking about the importance of having a spring game and that opportunity. They don't really get the chance to do scrimmages preseason or you know, preseason tournaments, anything like that against opposing teams. Um, you kind of think about midnight madness that college basketball has. And it's really just a, you know, two hour kind of pump up the team, pump up the fan base like a pep rally almost. And this one this year to me had a, a little bit more of a feeling of that than even some of the prior years where we watched this game. Um, I know in years past we were doing like ring ceremonies and they did that this time too. Uh, But just maybe one, one point of this game that stuck out to me most like a pep rally was the sort of Greg Hugel, take a break in the game action and get him out there to attempt four field goals with the knee brace on. Um, Just felt like a complete, like pump up the crowd, um, you know, get everyone on the team behind one of our, you know, true blue sort of players that has encountered some adversity recently and to me yeah like total exhibition game move but this is definitely Dabo's wheelhouse
0: i, I guess <laughs> that, like
1: stuff come through
0: I, yeah i feel like Dabo was kind of reaching for the vince mcmahon like you know wwe I, i'm running this event type uh type card as he's like sitting out midfield but yeah, uh, the day basically <laughs> yeah he was the MC. yeah so and i don't i don't You can do whatever the heck he wants i don't i don't care but uh, i i definitely got that sense it's like you know he he just keeps trying to, to like, i feel like i'm being sold something but i like what i, I like what he's selling and i'm buying so um <laughs> yeah what <laughs> i'm okay with it why don't we dig into
1: some observations from the game um i'll start us out just by breaking down the teams a bit um i know you studied the starting lineups so feel free to kind of pepper pepper in more but i i looked at the teams breaking down the orange team was I looked at it as the Trevor Lawrence and Hunter Johnson team. Um, they had T. Higgins as their weapon, um, and they had probably the superlative secondary uh, talent as well in um, A.J. Terrell, and I think they had Trayvon Mullen on the Orange team too. Um, on the opposite side, the white team, Christian Wilkins, and then on the offensive side, it was Kelly Bryant and Chase Bryce. They had, as the offensive weapons go, Hunter Renfro and ETN and DeAndre Overson. Um, and on that side of the ball, we also saw some good stuff from Justin Foster. Those were not necessarily like highlight players, but that was to me the, the kind of matchup was that's how they split the, split the talent.
0: Um, yeah, I, the, I got the sense that it was really they, – they put a lot into making it really evenly matched. And I think the the big thing that happens in these types of games, the defense usually plays better than the offense. Um, the, with our depth of defensive line and uh, our relative – lack of depth at offensive line and that's you know to say that we lack depth at offensive line that goes true for almost all division one programs like if you can get to one to eight um one to nine then that's pretty solid depth and that's kind of how we roll uh when you when you're breaking out and into two sets of fives um on the offensive line guys that haven't played together and that's another part of the cohesion uh the cohesion element and then you couple that with guys on the defensive line where we go probably one to 12 uh, not the whole front seven is it's quite loaded um, so there's always going to be a little discrepancy there. Despite that, I thought they did a pretty good job of balancing it out. Like you mentioned, uh, Wilkins and Austin Bryant were on the same, on the same line, but uh, the flip side of that is on this, the one, the other team they were facing, Hunter John, Hunter Lawrence, uh, Hunter Johnson, uh, Trevor Lawrence <laughs> there. Yeah. Those names are going to be jumbled. Um, they had Mitch Hyatt, Sean Pollard, and uh, one other uh, John Simpson. So three presumed starters. So, I thought that was, I thought it was, I thought it was interesting. One that they gave them a little bit more of the the line offensive line depth, the, the Lawrence Johnson duo. Uh, but at the same time, it was pretty pretty balanced. Uh, the the other team had a stronger defensive line, so
1: right, exactly. Like give the team with the better offensive line weapons the tougher task of blocking Christian Wilkins and AB. Um, yeah, so I guess yeah. So you said you felt like the the squads were strategically split up and then pretty balanced. Um I guess when it comes to um sort of I mean w- when breaking this game down I think again we talked about like don't look too much into this I think what you can look for is kind of three things is like where was there validation like where do we know someone was going to make a leap this year or um you know position group battles were going to be solidified like there might have been a little bit of validation happening um I think what I was really hoping for and looking for were I was looking for surprises or breakouts like Guys that are going to take a, a serious leap this year, um, and I think we did see a couple of those, and we'll touch on that. And then I think the the other one is like, uh, let's not overreact to a poor performance or a great performance because you got to think about the format of the spring game or um, just the circumstances that they're in. So that's kind of like how I've how I've chosen immensely process this game. Um, what are what's kind of been your approach?
0: Yeah, I, I feel the same. It's just like who who took a step forward. Um, I like to I like to pay attention to the younger linemen both on the offense and defense, and to see if they're a little bit more ready, uh, and that's that takes a little bit of rewatching and and going in some slow mo and uh, and then seeing who's matched up on on whom. But uh, I I think one name I would point I would uh, throw out like you already mentioned I believe is Justin Foster. Um, not to start handing out superlatives, but he was one player that I didn't expect necessarily a whole lot from in this game, and it's not to say it's gonna it's going to translate into the season, but clearly his body has been completely, um, he's reshaped it. Uh, he was a linky outside linebacker out of high school. Uh, last year was his true freshman year and he showed promise, but, um, had to learn more nuances of the game, but he looks, he looks so just thick, does not look like the outside linebacker that he once was, um, showed a lot of speed, athleticism off the edge, um, showed some moves. Now the, the caveat to that is he was going up against Mitch Hyatt in the first – I think the first half or the first two quarters. And Mitch Hyatt pretty much won most of those battles. Now when – I can't remember – I think it was Blake Vinson. Um, whenever he came in, the, the redshirt freshman – Actually, but, I think it was Carmen. Was it – oh, yeah. I think – actually, it might have been both. Uh, and I think you're, you're definitely right about Jackson Carmen. We'll say either way, when the freshman came in to block him, he had a ton of success, which you take that as you will. But I, I, I just looking at him physically – I definitely see that he's, he's taken a step among, among other players. um, Maybe that's one guy, Uh, maybe name one player for you. Um, Yeah.
1: I mean, certainly Foster had an awesome game kind of from a breakout standpoint. Um, Someone that we certainly expected this from, but um, I would say played a really solid game and it was good validation was uh, AJ Terrell Uh, all over the field. He did have a pick. Um, He's involved in a lot of, a lot of um, the T. Higgins show as well. I think you know it would be it'd be easy for people to criticize maybe some of those plays in terms of his coverage and his ability, but I think that I did like what I saw um, in terms of some of his uh, tracking the ball and some of his hip movement um, in pass coverage. I thought it was pretty pretty solid all day, uh, but definitely I'd have to think a little bit longer about who's my like breakout player. I was going to say definitely Justin Foster though.
0: Yeah, I I would stand with you on that. Um, AJ Terrell is interesting because he, like you said, he did get beat uh, time and time again uh, by T Higgins, and the the coaches will never say it. I think Venables was asked, you know, do you you take some like solace? Is it okay that it's it's T Higgins? And he's like, no, we, you know, I got to evaluate. I got to look at the tape. But AJ (laughs) Terrell is is good. Uh, Mark Fields look good. Trayvon Mullen is probably in he's probably going to be gone after this year because I think he'll, he's already looking like he's going to take that next leap. Um, there's three really good cornerbacks and don't let T Higgins, like there's no other the one thing I wish they would say. There's not, there's no other T Higgins in college football. Not that I know. I'm, I'm sure there's some great receivers, but yeah, uh, well, I think definitely yeah, not I, on our schedule. Exactly. Um, not on our schedule. Yeah. Until the
1: playoff. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, yeah. like, yeah. and mm-hmm. I, you know, we can, we don't really have to talk, spend too much time on T Higgins. He looked great. Like he, the the one throw I think the one the one uh, route that impressed me more than the the deep routes was the um, the pass along to the sideline where he literally just re um, he stopped on a dime uh, he turned to the sideline laid out across the sideline and, and caught the ball that was that, that was, was like a Julio Jones
1: catch right or New yeah, Cowkins, like, exactly how,
0: how many yeah uh, you don't see a whole lot of college receivers that are able to make that catch redirect their body in that way and, and not to mention he's six foot five with like this crazy wingspan I mean. There's a reason he was kind of touted as maybe the best high school recruit come out of um, that, that's gone to Clemson. Out of even out of all the great ones we've had recently, and man, if he can just like show half of that promise in this year, that's such a huge asset for the team.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, just in, maybe we can keep it with the receiving receiving group just to keep keep ourselves a little organized here. Um, people are talking talking a lot about the type of game that Trevion Thompson had. Uh, nice to see him, you know, in his uh, graduate year, show some promise in the spring game. Um, I, I want to say he was matched up against Lee Anthony Williams for a good part of the day, um, and I think, you know, again, I don't want to read be too critical, read too much into one player or not, uh, but I think Lee Anthony Williams definitely, you know, a green cornerback um, has some some work to do on on his his kind of coverage. But um, yeah, I thought Trevion had a pretty good game. I just I wonder. I mean, I think we are at the nine position going to have. Three really solid options there with those two and DeAndre Overton. I'll be curious how many snaps does Trevion really get this year? Um, is he, you know, I think T Higgins is definitely going to take the step up into the snaps that and the the, um, the looks that Deion Kane was getting, and I think Overton, you know, he he flashed some brilliance on the other side with the white team, uh, but we'll see from the Trevion standpoint. I mean, again, if he if he can separate himself and um, maybe when we're running four wide sets, you know. He, he establishes himself as a good option against a third or fourth, um, you know, pass coverage option on the defense. You know, he, he could be there. But um, anyway, I'll, I'll kind of temper my expectations for Trevion this year.
0: Yeah. I mean, between him and T. Higgins and DeAndre Everton, he, like, physically, he just doesn't have quite that the raw athleticism and the size. Um, they're just going to be able to, those two, particularly T. Higgins, are going to be able to make plays and catches that not a lot, a lot of other receivers can make. One area where he could be useful is blocking. I think he's going to be the best blocker of, of the three guys that you mentioned. And that doesn't even speak, you actually, you didn't speak of um, Justin Ross. So he's the five-star freshman. Like, he, he's going to want to get some reps and some targets. Um, there, there really is an embarrassment of Rich. Rich is a, particularly at that nine-man position. And you and I talked about it a little bit yesterday. Like, if Deion Kane would have came back, that's probably, um, you know, nothing against him. And Alex Kraft has recently, uh, recently mentioned that maybe he wasn't even really well suited for that nine man position. He, maybe he was better suited at the two, uh, where Sammy Watkins and Ritter McLeod and all those guys were. But yeah, the way that's I- a lot of players. And I, I even said maybe it's addition by a subtraction. And I, nothing against them and the work they put in. But T Higgins and and Overton just have that ceiling that's that exceeds Deion Kane.
1: Yeah, it's. <laughs> It, I think addition by subtraction might be the, the way to think about it. And Deion Kane, tremendous talent, loved having him. He made critical plays that want to you know led to us winning the national championship. But I do think by removing him and kind of the log jam there, that nine man position, it does allow T to spread his wings a bit more and possibly to get throws out in the direction of um, Overton. And then, yeah, to your point where in the offense we are trying to run maybe some you know some action for some of our very athletic, uh, running backs having a blocking wide receiver out there on the boundary helps
0: quite a bit, yeah, totally. And, um, maybe and, and honestly, when you get to that point, and I think an area uh, wide receiver blocking was uh, not, it was definitely not a strength of ours last year. And you see how it, a team like Alabama, like they make sure their wide receivers block and uh, they put a, a lot of emphasis on that. I think we need to move to that, and that, that's kind of how you kind of like pass protection for running backs. Like, if there's a tie between you know, player A and player B, then like he who blocks best should get that, should get those snaps.
1: Yeah, definitely. Or even, I mean, you could almost argue the blocking might even be worth a little bit of a, you know, a, a click down on the the otherwise talent level or production level. Um, those type of things are probably more likely to keep the chains moving than, I mean, again, you know, if you need a home run ball, let's put the right pass catcher out there. Um, but it's it really should be about efficiency and moving the chains too.
0: Yeah. Um, home run ball, pass catcher and pass thrower, but that's, that's to come. Um, yeah, I would, (laughs) I would say for, uh, other writers receivers that stood out, um, you know, like obviously Hunter Renfro is, is, Hunter Renfro, you know what he's going to do. Um, I would go to Darion Kendrick. Now he didn't do a whole lot and I think he's going to be shaky. I don't know if we're going to throw him out there as a punt returner just yet, or even a (laughs) kickoff returner. Um. Just you know, and I'm not. That's about all I'm going to say for special teams. I I really put no like I, no weight into special teams. Um, aside from the fact that Amari Rogers does move north to south, like he was he was talking about moving north to south. He looks like he's added that into his game after talking to Nelson Aguilar. Good for him. Keep doing that. Quit wiggling from side to side. Um, but other wide receivers, Kendrick looked good. I think he like you mentioned, Lanthum Williams was having some trouble. He did put a nice move on him, and he saw a little bit of the acceleration and the burst. Um, that that has has drawn comparisons to Sammy Watkins, so I can I guess I see that a little. Uh, he's got a long way to go though. He's certainly not Sammy Watkins as a freshman, but a, a very a very talented player. You can see a little bit of that explosiveness, and the reason he's drawn some um, some of the rave reviews that he's drawn.
1: Yeah, I think Rogers definitely in the special teams game. That was that was nice to see. I also questioned: Did we have a split squad going on on the on the coverage side um, for for dragging him down? So. Um, I expect his average to come down somewhat when the season starts, when we're playing you know, full-on defensive squads from the other side or special team kick coverage squads. But anyway, yeah, good to see from a technique standpoint what he's focused on. He's one of those, just like T. Higgins, you expected him to take a step forward in his wide-receiving production, and it seemed like he had a really good game as well. So good to see progress going on there. There's definitely been good reports coming out of the spring practice um, in Rogers' favor. We didn't see too much from Cornell Powell, if I recall. Um, did he? I don't really remember a ton of highlights from Powell, but that that could also be a factor of what team he was playing on, too.
0: Yeah, you know that's a good. I, I, I did not see a lot from him, and I think like, I think you're right. I think it had to do a little bit with with uh, which team he was playing on. Um, so TJ Chase maybe is another player. Didn't get a lot of uh, targets, but I think he is a very active and willing blocker. So. As a, five, as a five man, where Hunter Renfro, the one thing he doesn't do well is block. So maybe you plug him in on, uh, on short or running down situations where you can get uh, ETN to the outside. Um, aside from that, uh, you know, I kind of think, yeah, kinda, could,
1: he, could he become like a blocking decoy and then a passing option in something like a play action or a, a, a read?
0: Attention. Yeah, I mean, I mean, at some point, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, it's not like he's not like he's limited at all as a as a wide receiver. He has the potential to be a good wide receiver. It's just, um, yeah, I mean, like you know what you're going to get. Like it's right. It's uh, it's something that Hunter Renfro doesn't offer, so maybe a reason to give him some more um, some more reps. How about the tight ends in this
1: game? I, really, the the plays that stick out in my mind are overthrows to Mylon Richard, uh, the Cannon Smith scare on Trevor Lawrence's first completion. And um, we also had the freshman come in and really flash a little bit of the the size and athleticism that he, he was uh, promised. Um, I didn't see too much of Garrett Williams in this game either, but um, yeah, tight end to me feels like it's going to be a step forward this year as a position group could not be much worse than last year. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Agreed. And I mean, I, I don't like the only, the probably the biggest bright spot was like what you said, Braden Galloway. I, I'm always, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm skeptical when I hear comparisons to like, like a Jordan Leggett clone, and I also know this guy's coming from like local Seneca High School, he's under, unheralded, he played quarterback in high school, but I, from watching him, he looks definitely like the best receiving threat we might have on the roster, even as a freshman, I'm sure he's got a lot to learn, um, particularly by way of like blocking, he's got to learn a lot there, but probably the biggest bright spot, I don't know if that means anything for 2018, but uh, for the future, that's, it, it looks like Maybe like what Jeff Scott was saying, maybe we really did hit on hit on him. And we already know that uh, Garrett Williams, you know what you're going to get. We didn't see a lot in the, in the receiving game, uh, but, you know, he's going to be a good blocker. That part of the offense is going to be shored up a little bit. And Mylon Richard. Yeah, yeah, you didn't see a lot from him. You know, he's going to be steady, um, probably a pretty a low, a low ceiling, I guess we could say at this point. But we, uh, we know what we're going to get. Um, and may, I don't know. I guess JC Chalk is the other player. Got You know, he's come along a little, so he's going to provide hopefully some quality depth.
1: Yeah. Again, not a not a huge highlight day from the tight end squad, but um, you know, we saw what we were going to see. I think for the most part, no breakouts um, to report, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Maybe before we touch on more takeaways from the offensive line, and we're saving the quarterback piece. I guess, for the last part of the offense. Uh, I know most people are probably looking for us to jump right into that, but um, maybe I wanted to talk about the the running back group. Uh, this was spring games, I don't necessarily think, I mean, I, I remember sp- spring games past where you sort of had um, C.J. Davidson like have a breakout spring game and come in and be like the fourth guy in the depth chart coming into the fall. So uh, you, you got to take with a grain of salt sometimes the running back performances here especially when you consider the offensive lines that they're playing behind is ripe with third, fourth stringers as well. And really the offensive play calling is not looking to spring the running backs. They're not looking to sustain drives on offense. So um, I, I don't really think we saw anything surprising or even uh, troublesome, problematic. It was just kind of a blah day for the running back group. Um, not, that's not to say that, you know, Travis Etienne didn't reinforce to me that he's the number one guy because I think he, he has, and he did. Um, but yeah don't have a ton of takeaways from the running back group
0: yeah I think what you said was th- the most correct and like in terms of like whenever ETM did start uh, did get going and had a few longer runs um, you had to look at the players that were playing on defense by that point I believe it was a lot of freshmen some walk-ons and that's nothing against him or anything like that because frankly like when Christian Wilkins is out there it's just it's unfair right <laughs> he's just I mean he's killing like our starters at, on an offensive line which I don't know I mean I know that's. I don't know how to take that, but right. um, it, it was hard for he anyone kills everyone starters. He does, he does, and that's yeah, that's why we love him and we're glad that he returned. But I would say, yeah, you have to take like the the little bit of little bit of the yeah, performance and the results of the grain of salt. With that though, I, I agree. Etienne, I, I talked about players that are just better than everyone else that stood out. I think Etienne is in that category with T. Higgins, uh, with Christian Wilkins. Uh, with maybe a, a long-haired quarterback that I'll, I won't name quite yet. A couple players just look better than everyone else. And I think Etienne is – I don't know why the debate, and I think I mentioned this to you yesterday, I don't know why the debate between who are, who are starting running back revolves around Feaster and Etienne. Um, there should be no debate, I don't think, at this point. I think the, the only debate is cho- uh, who's number two behind him, and I, and I would give Adam Choice. That's more of a credit to Adam Choice and his development. Uh, versus a um, a slight to Kaven Fuster.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I, what I what I would hope and what I would look for, and I, I'm not as studied on the spring camp notes as I wish I was, um, but just relates to ETN's development from a run blocking standpoint, or I'm sorry, as a, as a blocker blocking running back standpoint, and as a pass catcher, um, either in an outlet standpoint or in design pass plays that might be an area where one of the other two could solidify themselves and eat into some of those snaps Um, or for ETN to really take a stranglehold of that starting position coming into fall camp. If he can develop either or both of those aspects of his game a bit more, then I think it's his role, his job to lose. Um, And this offense can take even another scary step forward if he
0: figures that piece out. Yeah, I agree. And the only, you're right. His only limitation potentially would be pass uh, protection Which Feaster is not, you know, by any means like uh, Wayne Gallman or anything like that. He's got a long way to go as well there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Choice is probably your best option there, and that's why I think like he should probably have closed a little bit of ground on Feaster um, in my in my depth chart at least. Um, But yeah, assuming Etienne is is uh, moderately improved in that in that department, he is just a different kind of guy, and not to mention like just having him the, the same way that a quarterback with a great, with great downfall passing will stretch, stretch you vertically. When you have a running back that can, is that explosive that like play actions now matter so much more and they make linebackers sink in and safety sink in so much more that opens up all kinds of other facets of your offense. So just the threat of Etienne is enough to <laughs> enough for him to to register the, the starting role or, the, or enough playing time or, or the starting role.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, I I guess it would be worth calling out the guys that got carries and, you know, led the team in yardage. So Ty Thomason um, led the team with 40 yards on three carries, it looks like. He had a 29-yard run. I'm forgetting that play. It was probably late in the second half where he got that one. Um, And then Darian Renscher as well, Uh, nine carries for 26 yards. Um, Actually, it looks like he had 25 yards. Take, take that back. Um, so, you know, good to get some of the younger guys, some reps here, um, some playing time. But for the most part, I think that depth chart is probably pretty solidified. I don't know, Cody, if if the coaches have said ETNs and, and um, sorry, uh, Feaster are going to be 1A, 1B. If it is a 1-2 yet, you know, it's going to be coach speak all the way up until fall camp. Um, but for the most part, in our minds at least, it's a solidified pecking order.
0: Right. In, in our minds. And, and yeah, sure. Like you're not going to, you're going to need more than one back anyway. Like, you know, so there's a lot of carries that'll that, that go around, but yeah, I just don't, ETN is just too talented. I, he has to be the most talented back since Spiller um, with the most upside. I just don't know why you would, why you would even think about putting someone else out there first uh, yeah. unless, unless there's huge holes in his pass protection. Otherwise you got to run with him.
1: Do we have anyone coming in in the, like basically the true freshman class that did not enroll early, basically the you know the summer arrivals that you're excited about in the running back core.
0: We do have one, and I'm drawing a blank on his name right now. Um, who I'm looking up? Um, his name is what? He's not listed. Okay, there you go. Lynn J. Dixon. I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm like extremely excited about him, but just because Ty Thomason and Aaron Rich um, while capable, are walk-ons and probably not up to the talent level that we would hope. Uh, Lindsey Dixon is, you know, he's offered. He offers kind of a like a change of pace, um, a guy that'll probably be able to catch out of the backfield. Um, as a freshman, though, you know, you always concern his pass protection. So, um, I'm, you know, it'll be interesting if he's able to hit the ground running. But he, he's probably. definitely he's good.
1: Yeah, yeah, probably a you know potential. Yeah, like you said, change of pace, maybe garbage time reps if if any any chance for a red shirt
0: uh i would just just because we're really three deep um in wrencher is probably the one question mark is he like is he really um you know a, a guy that we're going to roll with in like in meaningful um minutes i aside, i don't know if that i don't know um i don't know about his ability there but um i would say the rencher is unlikely just because of just because really we go three deep yep makes sense um well i wanted to give you a chance I know we
1: touched a little bit on the play of Mitch Hyatt. He had Pollard next to him at the left guard position for the orange team. Or Simpson. I'm sorry, Simpson, you're right. Um, Pollard was on the opposite side of the field. Um, There's not a lot you can take away from this game, from the O-line, right? Just, I mean, so much of this position group does have to do with communication and continuity and, you know, acting as a single unit. And when you split up starters, you put them with second stringers, third stringers. Um, to get guys' experience and reps in this environment, you know it's not a recipe for great success. So, I guess my kind of takeaway is I'm trying not to take anything away from this game, from the O-line core.
0: Yeah, I couldn't. I mean, you said it really well. Just the way that the, the cohesive element of it, where it, which is unlike any other group, where you know the whole you this as strong as your weakest link type deal. You really can't take a lot away. Um, you, you need guys that are your one through fives. You need them playing together and having that consistency or, or that continuity. The, the one thing, uh, maybe a positive I would take, is uh, Blake Vinson, tr- uh, a redshirt freshman, and Chandler Reeves, a redshirt sophomore, at the tackle position, you know, they they got beat um, by some of our better uh, defensive linemen, but I, I think they're going to potentially be able to provide uh, depth, quality depth, if not this year, then, then down the line. They, they moved fairly well. Um, both of them had some, like, weight issues, or they needed to put on weight, and as a high school tackle you're always concerned about uh, when they add that weight are they going to be able to keep their speed and you know, they got a long way to go but uh, I'm, I'm confident they'll at least get to a you know a certain level where they can be quality uh, rotation type players so that that would be the one positive but yeah like you said like they were throwing the defensive line was throwing all kinds of uh, blitzes delay blitzes they did some stunts there between the tackles that really threw offensive line off so like you said I don't take too much into it too, uh, too much from it uh, it did look uh, eerily similar to our last uh, game against Alabama, though, in the, in the Sugar Bowl. <laughs>
1: um, I, you mentioned Chandler Reeves. I do want to give him props. There was a play um, probably in the second quarter where um, he did a great job locking on an Austin Bryant um, pass pressure that uh, was able to allow, um, I want to say, I guess, Let's see. Austin Bryant would have been – yeah, so it allowed Trevor Lawrence to scramble and, um, and make, a, make a solid completion. So, you know, he didn't get burned on every play by our dominant D-line. Um, props to him. If I was him, I would be jamming that tape in Austin Bryant's face
0: tomorrow. Yeah, I can't help but wonder. Like, you didn't see Austin Bryant and and Farrell, like, really racking up stats. I, I can't help but wonder how motivated they were in this <laughs> one. Um Jackson Carman is the other one. Like, it's only it's only one spring. He's only been in the program for a couple of months, but he's he has weight issues. He's gonna have to get that down. Um I would say what we saw from him last uh, yesterday is is, is not going to be enough. It's not going to be sufficient to be a a Mitch Hyatt like type freshman. Like he Mitch Hyatt like him him to be as good as he was that year. Um, that that's unheard of. And I don't know if we should. I think we should taper our expectations. Uh, for what they once were, um, uh, he could still be a contributor and maybe a, uh, yeah. In the, in the, in the two deep, but I don't know that he's ready to be a, you know, all American, all conference side player or anywhere close to that quite yet.
1: And for me, the Mitch Hyatt situation was one of need. Um, we had the, uh, outgoing, I guess it was junior who decided to basically leave the program or try to go to the pros. I forget which, um, but Mitch Hyatt came in and we basically needed him to start and he rose to the occasion, rose to the challenge. Knock on wood, we are fortunate that we are not in a position where we absolutely need Carmen to plug in and you know provide instant performance on that line. Um so it's kind of a different situation, but I agree with you. I don't think we are seeing that level of pedigree out of him so far. Um, but it's it's nice that he does have some time to
0: develop as well. Exactly. and I think you're 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 dead on because um, the bringing the guys along while like that matters for Xavier Thomas, it matters for KJ Henry and other guys on the defensive line. That that Christian Wilkins and those other players came back. I think the, the most important offseason acquisition or returnee. Um, I think it becomes uh, Mitch Hyatt just because of that. Um, he having him back. I mean, yeah, he's one guy like offensive linemen, all offensive lineman. They kind of fly under the radar, but he's probably been one of the best in Clemson history, if if not the best. We'll have to maybe take that up with Ben, Um, more of a historian of Clemson football, but I think he's got a rank right up there with the best of all time. Certainly best careers of all time.
1: Yep. Another debate for another day. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Well, why don't we jump into the, uh, the juicy topic here, which is quarterback and, um, maybe to set the stage for this one. I mean, I think it was the Trevor Lawrence show far and away. Um, but I, I also think that the format of the game lent itself the most to the quarterback that was probably most of a pocket passer. Um, it was a two-hand touch rule. You know, sacks were um, basically blown whistles very early, very quick. So guys that are more prone to um, gaining yardage or you know being elusive with their legs, uh, were are going to get called for sacks or not even run those plays. Uh, but for the most part, I mean, this was a breakout day. Can't say it any other way for Trevor Lawrence. Um, so amazing to see, I feel like not only did he low up to the hype, he showed me things that are, you would not expect from not only a true freshman, but maybe even a guy that had been in the system for one year. Uh, but I'll just get your immediate T law reaction.
0: Uh, wow. <laughs> he's, he does have like the Deshaun Watson, uh, kind of air about him. He, he's really comfortable in the pocket. Like he just, he's, he's taken his time. He seems like there's no panic. Um, he's he scanned the whole field. That was one observation that you and I made yesterday. Was he's he went from one side of the field all the way to the other, and you know he found, he you always knew where his checkdown was. Like you're you're not seeing that from any other player on the roster, and and he's he's the youngest guy on the roster. He's the newest guy on the roster. Um, I think what you said about this game lending itself to the best pocket passer is true. Now that it is true, but it's also important to note that if we're playing Ohio State. Or if we're playing Alabama uh, specifically, that internal clock is very similar to what you saw yesterday. You're not going to run against Alabama. We haven't been able to do it three years in a row, even with our best – even with Deshaun Watson, even with Wayne Gallman, we weren't able to run against them. You're not going to be able to run – we weren't able to run yesterday like the offense just wasn't going to. And there was a, an internal clock that every quarterback had to have that's not going to be the same as when we faced Georgia Tech or NC State, yeah, you know any other team aside from Alabama. So it, it didn't provide a real, uh, a simulated like effect of what a, a ACC ACC game would be like, but in terms of the pressure, like it did, um, it was Alabama-like pressure. And Trevor Lawrence, like wow, um, his height gives him a lot of uh, advantage too. He's just able to see over a lot of things, and he just you know dropping off those checkdown passes, going through progressions, going through his reads, moving up in the pocket, maneuvering. Like these are things that like. <laughs> You just don't see from many college quarterbacks, he's already has such a great grasp of that. and He's only a true freshman. I'll, I'll put, you know, waxing poetic about him, but you, you, uh, you go ahead and uh, give me your thoughts.
1: No, I think you nailed it. I mean, beyond his reads and, um, you know, just his, com- his seeming comfort in the pocket, seems like he's picking up on or his elusiveness was, was something that did surprise me. Um, his ability to scramble and not only scramble, but scramble while looking alert downfield. Um, I I can definitely imagine a scenario where he's got a he's chased from the pocket. He's got to move and linebackers in pursuit safeties in pursuit. And he, he showed me yesterday, he can get to the sideline. Hopefully he can do so uh, while wearing rib protection. It looked like he was just in basically his Jersey and some faint shoulder pads yesterday, but um, we got to keep him upright. If he is playing for this team this year, uh, but beyond that, it, I think you could see a, a situation where he then whips the ball, you know, 40 yards downfield because he sees T. Higgins break free at that moment. And it's like the alertness, the awareness downfield, just it seems like the game is almost already slowed down for him, which is insane because he's been on campus three months at this point. Um, so it's basically like not it's better than advertised. And, you know, I I already know your answer, but I feel like he probably is the best quarterback in that in that quarterback room at this point.
0: Yeah, I, I think everyone knows like he's the most talented, but is he the most like is he the best? Is he like the most ready? And he, he may be. And I, I think part of the argument for Kelly Bryant last year, um, and this was legitimate, was that he he's the safest player and that he's gonna protect the ball because you had concerns with Hunter Johnson and Zach Cooper about turning the ball over. Um, you know, things moving too fast. And when they, that, that, that panic sets in, you do things like what Chase Price did yesterday, you throw interceptions. Like, I don't see him doing that. I think he, he's going to be able to, I don't I don't worry about him throwing a whole lot of interceptions. Maybe, you know, maybe you throw an interception here and there, like Deshaun Watson because it's a downfield pass, but you know, like you take that trade off for that explosive play. Like otherwise you're going to go three and out and pun, pun anyway. And we did a lot of that last year. So, uh, you know, I just don't, I I, like the the pros and cons if they're the coaches are I sure I'm sure this is how they decide these types of matters they have a pro and con list a whiteboard (laughs) (laughs) like what's the pro I, I don't know if there are like enough cons about Trevor Lawrence's game uh that he shouldn't be at least considered uh as a rotational quarterback to start the year at the least
1: yeah I mean maybe we can we'll come back to him for sure like throughout evaluation of the other quarterbacks on the roster um, why don't we talk about Kelly Bryant real quick? I mean, I, I kind of touched on introducing this section as it's it's one that I think Trevor Lawrence was like destined to look better coming out of than Kelly Bryant because so much of what KB brings, even as a passer, is predicated on the threat of the run. Um, and it, you take that away from his game, just look no further than the Syracuse game when he was limited as a run threat or even the Alabama game. Um, when, you, when you eliminate that part of his game, and he's forced to make quick decisions as a passer, it's somewhat challenging. That said, you know, how bad did he really look? He kind of overthrew a couple of balls. Dabo continued to to harp on that piece. Um, He had, what, five three-and-outs in the first half, so definitely not his best game. But I I don't think there's a world in which Kelly Bryant could have or would have lost the job yesterday, no matter how poorly he played and how good either the other guys played. I think the question in my mind is like, how, how much of a lead does he still have? What is that gap looking like coming out of the spring? Um, I think Jeff Scott, he had a comment after the game that they, they obviously evaluate a lot of things when they talk about, you know, who's going to become the starter at any of these positions. And he looked at the spring game as basically 20% of a larger picture. Um, so if Kelly, let's just say got, you know, a C minus a D on 20% of the exam, you're not failing the class necessarily. Um, but it's, it is something that he definitely has his work cut out for him. And all the, all the coach speak that's happening in the media right now. Um, I encourage you guys to go out and read Matt Connolly from the States kind of reaction. Dabo said a lot more than I thought he would on this topic. And I'm thinking that might be a little bit of Dabo letting a fire under Kelly that, yeah, maybe this competition is a little bit more open after yesterday. Um, but I, you know, I think everyone's fear, we talked about it with Alex Kraft. I had him on in January or February, I think. Um, is that Dabo's just gonna stick to his guns, be loyal, stick to the, the veteran guy, the senior coming back who won us fourteen games last year, um, and not put T Law in there. I don't know that I feel as adamantly that Dabo's on that train anymore.
0: I, I totally agree, and I don't know if you saw Alex's most recent article. He he still I don't and I haven't seen his like any recap from this after this spring game to see if he feels any differently, but he stuck to his guns and said that he doesn't think this is a Q, uh, quarterback battle. He said, you know, there is no quarterback battle. It's Kelly, jo- Kelly Bryant's, um, you know, it, uh, unless he's injured or something else. But um, I, it, I, I I tend to disagree. I think there is an open competition. And um, you you can't look at last year as like, well, you know, he stuck with KB last year. Because those were just entirely different circumstances. When you look, the next man up, at least to begin the season, was Derek Cooper. And I have to think. You know, based off of uh, looking at Chase Bryce, that he might be further along as a redshirt freshman than Zarek Cooper was, and that, that's our fourth team guy. We haven't even talked about Hunter Johnson yet. Yeah. I, I think it's an open competition, and Nabo did let on. He said we started, it's Kelly Bryant's job to lose, and I think he's he's uh, backtracked a little bit now. He's saying it's an open competition, which is I I think that I think he's a little bit he's got to think a little bit like politically. You know, what's the best for the team? You know, I, and I don't necessarily know if it's to light to fire. It's just hey, this is the reality of it. This guy is this good. He's really good. Hunter Johnson throw a, is really good.
1: Can I throw a third conspiracy theory? So one is... Please. One is it's truly no an competition, and that's the reality. And I, I hope that's the case, and that would be great. Um, the other is the light of fire. The third would be, does this give somewhat of a recruiting leg up going forward that, yeah, you know, we will consider, like we will, we are not just stick to the gun seniority first type of type of play look no further than our QB competition of 2018.
0: Perhaps. I mean, like with the quarterback position, I think maybe it's a little bit different than any other position, but no, I mean, it doesn't hurt to say if you're, because I mean, they are, like this is the game we'll play now. We're going to have a lot of three-year players. And if you want to get a five-star player who we're recruiting a lot of them, certainly you can't say, you know, you can't always default to the senior um, or the guy that has the most seniority, or the leader. Like you have to go with. Sometimes when the talent trumps the uh, the intangibles, you have to go with the talent. And I I, I think we've we've hit that intersection, um, and we're starting to cross it.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, well, let's touch on Hunter Johnson here. I mean, so Trevor Lawrence probably had the best quarterback game. You give him the highest grade for yesterday. Probably give KD the worst. Um, where would you put Hunter Johnson relative to Chase Bryce?
0: Uh, I Actually, I thought he had um, uh, kind of an unfortunate hand with a lot of the things that were going on, with um, just some sacks, uh, a lot of pressure, that uh, some missed blocks when he was a quarterback, and uh, Christian Wilkins, def- Wilkins deflecting one of the balls that led to an interception. That I, I don't think that's on him at all. Um, I think he looked much. I think he looked competent uh, to say the least. Uh, I, I thought. I think what we had last year when with Bryant, what what he gave us was just sure handedness and. Um, being able to make the short throws, understand the offense. Well, I think Hunter Johnson, uh, not to compare everything to to Kelly Bryant, but I think he's right there at what Kelly Bryant did. But now gives you a a better, like a more toolsy version of Kelly Bryant right now. If that makes sense, like he's a better passer, yeah. he's a faster runner. I think he has a better sense of the pocket. And I think he's a more elusive runner. Now he's not as big, and he he would he would probably cave under you know a few hits. It, he probably wouldn't be able to stand up quite as well. But um, I. I think he's at the very least like he gives you an, a guy that really you really can win with, and that's not coach speak; it's not cliche. Um, I, I think he's he's got a huge upside. I don't know if it'll be with Clemson, unfortunately, but he's he's good.
1: Yeah, I think I agree with you throughout, and I think you also this is a moment where you can consider the format of the game. I mean, he's not as dependent on his legs for um, what he brings to the table as a Kelly Bryant, but certainly if it was an open scrimmage and you know full tackling was happening i think you might have seen a better game out of Hutter johnson top to bottom um in terms of what what he can offer as an offensive threat um with his legs as well i don't know so again it's a little bit unfair to compare him straight up to trevor lawrence but i don't think we saw yesterday necessarily uh, we did not see him you know make his bid as the quarterback of the future for this team as like the man uh, but that said i would like Come 2019, would you feel good if, you know, he had to start four or five, six games for this team? Like, I definitely would. I think I have a lot of confidence in him. and He seems to be coming along well with comfort in that, in that position.
0: Yeah, like every like, – and this is not how uh, life, real life works, but if you went into every Clemson football season and, you know, you were, had like a rotating door of, of quarterbacks and you said you can have Hunter Johnson or, you know, pick a wild card. I would take Hunter Johnson every time. He's exactly what you would want in a college quarterback. I think he's, again, he's going to have a good career. Not sure if it's at Clemson, though.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, And I guess we can wrap up just this segment before we go on gushing about T-Law with Chase Bryce. Uh, So Chase Bryce, you know, he, he basically, the way I was thinking about his game, I don't see him as like a Nick Schuessler third stringer. Nick Schuessler from our 2015 run and 2016 run where KB would be the backup Schuessler would be the third string. Um, you know, if Chase Bryce is sn- taking snaps for us this year, something's gone horribly wrong, but I'm, I'm kind of warming to the thought of him being a capable backup to if it is Trevor Lawrence that, you know, wins this job and Hunter Johnson transfers. Like I feel pretty good with Chase Bryce being a backup. Um, you know, he definitely had some mistakes, and I think you you talked earlier about some panic throws that led to just wide open downfield interceptions. But uh, he also had some zip on some balls. Unfortunately, ESPN cut off the Chase Bryce to DeAndre Overton 50 yard touchdown pass. Um, Brock Hewart assured us it was a nice throw. So <laughs> it was like in yeah, 1950s, like listening to the radio, like <laughs> oh, sounds like it was nice. Yeah, uh, I'll have to but, my uh, yeah, I, I mean, I guess. Chase Rice came in, you know, he was a little bit, um, he was underhyped relative to Hunter Johnson a year ago. He took the red shirt and, but, you know, he was the, what, state champion in Georgia at Grayson and, you know, one of the best quarterback coming out of Georgia, I think, that year. Um, we've got a track record now pulling Georgia's best quarterback, but um, anyway, you know, he's no slouch, let's put it that way. So I thought he played a pretty solid spring game.
0: Yeah, it, it'll be easy to start like remembering him or thinking of him as this scrappy, unheralded type, you know, player that came that you know wanted to choose Clemson and all this and that. But he he was a four star player, and I, I really don't think it's I don't think I, I don't think it's like a revisionist history to think like if he would have played last year, like you know, or if the same if it were the same circumstances with Zarek Cooper kind of leading the um, being the most um, given giving KB the most competition. I think if it were Chase Bryce he is, he is further along than, than Derek Cooper was last year. And I think heck he could even beaten out Kelly Bryant um, at quarterback last year. But I mean, obviously the circumstances are much different now. He's number four, but uh, yeah, he's got, he's got the arm talent. You mentioned it. We didn't get to see it on full display, but he's got the arm talent. Um, He clearly, the way he was running the offense, like you can tell he has a year in the system. Um, You just, uh, you know, he didn't not no geared headlight moments. He did a little bit of panic set in when he made that bad pass, but, when he intercepted it, but, um, but no, he's, he's got the tools and if he's your fourth player or maybe your backup of the future, then that's, that's not such a bad thing.
1: Yeah, for sure. He, uh, oh, I don't have his yards per tent on the day, but um, you know, again, he, he connected on some short, some intermediate passes as well as a couple deep balls. So good to see him kind of flash the flash the arm there too.
0: Yeah, 12, like 12 of 19 for 231 yards, but unfortunately, uh, three interceptions.
1: Yeah, so that's that's the most yards per attempt on the team. You know, that's what, pushing 10. Um, Trevor Lawrence had six, 7.6. Hunter Johnson had six yards per attempt. And KB came in with a measly 2.3 yards per attempt. Um, so, again, you know, we talked about it, not KB's finest hour, finest day, uh, but I don't think any any performance whatsoever would have, you know, been able to, would have settled this quarterback battle, if you will. Agreed. Um,
0: Yeah. If, if there was a scenario or an outcome that would be like, wow, we really have to rethink this though. We're extremes. uh, We're both in one way or the other. I think, I think we had, we got the outcome that would have to make the coaches (laughs) question, uh, question things, or at least uh, leave it an open competition.
1: Right. Um, well, enough about the offense. I think we've, we've, we've definitely covered our, covered our bases. Um, defensively, I think this game um, was one where we knew – you don't watch this game to understand like where Christian Wilkins is in his game or Cleve Farrell or Austin Bryant. Um, Dexter Lawrence did not play. Trey Lamar did not play. I think this is where we do have some open question marks on this side of the ball, namely in the secondary um, and at the, the Sam position. Um, among the linebackers, as well as some of the depth, um, secondary depths. We talked about that. And then uh, linebacker depth and potentially even in the D line, understanding what we have with the newcomers. Um, and as well as the guys that have been around a little bit and are looking to really take the leap, Xavier Kelly being one. Um, and I think we, you know, throughout, we saw a lot of promise, a lot of signs of progress happening. Um, I, I did not visually see Shaq Smith, you know, have a great game or make a ton of plays was not watching extremely closely there. But um, I want to say David Hood had a lot of good things to say about Shaq Smith, him looking like a leader on this defense. What have you heard about him?
0: Well, I have heard great things. Um, Despite being a five-star, like he's, he's really, he's shown a lot of humility having redshirted and not really getting to play much as a, as a redshirt freshman now in his third season. A lot of guys just their ego takes too much of a hit from that. And they, they have to move schools or move programs, it seems like he's really taken it in stride and like he's embraced being a Clemson football player and being a leader. So like the intangibles and like the buy-in is there um, and, and the the good attitude, despite, you know, the, what's, you know, him not playing it's there. So I didn't see a whole, like on the field, I didn't see a whole lot. Um, Apparently the game is slowing down for him a little. And I I wouldn't say just because we have enough depth at, um, at linebacker this year, I think I don't, I wouldn't expect to see a huge uh, step forward from him, but um you know, between him, Jamie, Jamie Skolski, Chad Smith, like and, and, that, and that's not the same thing for the starters. i I'm, I feel quite confident with the with the linebacking core this year. It's we now we need to bring some more in the pipeline through recruiting, but uh we're we have a solid, very solid uh linebacking core. And I think I think I did see on a on the second watch, I did I think I did see Trey Lamar, but he may have had limited snaps.
1: Yeah, just I mean the fact that he wasn't able to play in the Sugar Bowl. I think they definitely want to, you know, treat him with kid gloves heading into the fall, um, which is understandable. Uh, Skalski, I think he was a madman. He was all over the field, so uh, he, you know, you, you hate to make the white linebacker kind of linkage on this football team, but does he give you kind of the bull wear attitude and potential vocal leader on this on this linebacking core? Um, he won't be a starter, you know, barring injury. It's going to be Lamar and Kendall Joseph. Um, and then we'll talk about the Sam in a moment, but I think it's great to have a Skalski there. Um, a high energy guy can, can spell one of the other guys depending where they slot him in. Um, so good to see him progress.
0: Yeah. I like him a lot and he can actually, he can play both outside or uh, inside will or Mike. And I, I don't think, I mean, Boulware might not, to, not I, if he got to be as good or as productive as Boulware, then that's, that's great. Um, but I think he may even have more of an upside just because physically I think he's a little bit bigger. He's a little bit faster. His arms are a bit longer. So I really like him and he may be um, depending on the situation, he may be your backup, whether it's if uh, your first man up, whether it's Kendall Joseph or if it's Trey Lamar were to go down.
1: Right. Makes sense. Um, Jalen Williams got a few snaps in this game, like, you know, as he's, as he's want to do. Um, But I want to talk a bit more about Isaiah Simmons. And we think all along we've been hoping, I mean, he's kind of a hybrid. Um, You can play him as a backup safety, right? Or um, even potentially he could be buying for a starting safety position. But I think where we see getting the best 11 guys on the field is him playing in that nickel Sam position. And um, it seems like he was, I I won't say he stood out in that role yesterday, but uh, it seems like one that he's grown into and has warmed to in the spring.
0: I think so. It, it's a lot on him uh, you know, just to understand all the uh, all the schemes and all the, all the things that he has to process, um, You know, playing safety and wide receiver in high school. But I, I think he's taken it in stride. I think he's done really well. And he certainly has a skill set. When, when you're talking about like a Sam linebacker, you need someone that can um, drop into coverage, but also be able to take on and get off the blocks that are going to come from tight ends or linemen that are getting into the second level. So uh, I think he's got the skill set, the, the athleticism, the, the added strength. Like he's – you're not going to get Dorn or Daniel. I, I, I think I've heard from someone it might be an upgrade. It's not going to be an oh, upgrade.
1: Yeah, not a chance.
0: It, yeah, not, it's not an upgrade, but uh, but he's but he's more than capable, and he does give you um, maybe a little bit of a different skill set. So vulnerable skews a little bit differently, um, we'll say. Um, behind that, I think you know Jalen Williams, he's sure-handed, and you know what you're going to get from him, but he's not going to be able to do anything spectacular. Um we'll see how like how like specter um specter comes along he i saw him make a few plays i think him or mike jones uh would be the next the next guy up so you're talking about two freshmen
1: right yeah we'll, we'll keep an eye on that depth chart but again i didn't see tons of breakout play in this game um from from either of them uh but yeah good good i guess to read reports in the spring that um, there's pr- progress happening particularly with Shaq smith and isaiah simmons um Maybe we can go to the D-line. We talked a little bit earlier about Justin Foster and how he looked. Um, and again, you know, he, he was limited playing against Mitch Hyatt. And then when we started to rotate Vincent and Carmen, um, he started to show a little bit more of what he was capable of. And you talked about transform, transformation of um, what he's bringing from a physical standpoint. Um, did anyone else stand out to you along the D-line? I mean, I want to say the two new freshman arrivals, they both had tackles for loss, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think Xavier Thomas is the is the obvious one uh, who is probably the most uh I, I won't say he's not as far along as as Justin Foster because, you know, he doesn't have the experience, but I think physically he's just he's on the same level as your as your uh your first and second round picks already as a true freshman. It's it'll just be a matter of of him understanding um all the the intricacies of, of you know modern offenses and not knowing not to bite on all the eye candy with the, the zone reads and things like that. You got to you got to stay home. You got to set the edge. All those things for defensive end. But man, he he has all the physical tools, and you you could see them on display. I think um, you know what you saw a little bit from him was just trying to uh, bull you know bulldoze like literally bull rush um, linemen, and you, you could do you could do that in high school like literally run straight at him and run them over. Not going to get away with that in college, but um, he certainly has all the tools. And then I'll, I'll give a uh, you know, a shout out to Xavier, the other Xavier, Xavier Kelly. Um, he looked good. Now he was doing it against again. He was doing it against some of the, the second, third string offensive linemen. But he is really, he really um, had some difficulties adjusting to, you know, all the things you have to do as a as a defensive end, despite having you know a lot of raw raw talent, physical ability. But he he looked good. I mean, I, he he got off. He showed good pad level, um, good hands. He was getting, I think he had a sack or two. So man there's there's we we don't lack for depth I'll, I'll say that not at, not at defensive end or or defensive tackle frankly.
1: and where that's going to translate is not just giving you protection in, in the event of injury, but it's actually to further prevent injury from happening by resting our starters and limiting their snap counts and getting bringing these guys along and getting them reps throughout the year. I guess from a strategic standpoint in terms of winning games, you can you know I, I see Xavier Thomas or I think I've read this, you know really being a threat in uh pass rush situations where you really do you know could he be uh, not to take anything away from a b, but could he be that strong side pass rush option when we we really need it late in games?
0: you know he he so he can play either side, so like and, and you know Farrell's probably your best pass rusher now, um, but I think, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, if you want to get two really good you know first step type defensive ends that get after the passer. That might be he might be your guy because I think in terms of like first spe- uh, first step quickness, uh, I think he's probably the, your fastest one on the team. And yeah, that's man. It, I think I, I mentioned it to yesterday. Like, I won't say like I, I thought with losing those three guys last year, in the NFL, which I which is I, I thought was the outcome, would be the outcome. I, I'm not so sure that we wouldn't have been okay. Now, not historically good, which is what I'm aiming for this year, but I think we would have been okay given. Uh, the development of Foster, what we see from XT uh, Xavier Kelly, and and not to mention Logan Rudolph. I don't I don't think played a whole lot, if at all, in this game.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. Haven't looked up his snap counts. Um, apparently, KJ Henry also had a couple tackles tackles for losses in this tackles for loss in this as well. Um, I think by the point he was playing, we weren't. There was on a running clock. We were. Uh, I don't know. Not ex- examining every play through and through. Um, We'll look for look to other outlets to do film analysis of the whole game.
0: Yeah, I I saw him in limited time. He, you know, is he's still uh, slightly, I guess, in in his frame. I think he's going to put on a little bit more weight, Um, but still an exciting prospect. But kind of what I thought coming in, maybe more of a a developmental prospect, and and only in the sense of like he's not Xavier Thomas. Like he's not going to be out the box ready. I think it might take a year, maybe two. But, I mean, still, I expect him to have a huge, huge ceiling.
1: Yeah, this game was actually tricky just kn- knowing the new guy's numbers. Apparently, he's number 13. Hunter Renfro's number as well. So, um, spring game's good for that stuff, uh, learning the new guy's numbers and their st- their stature at a Clemson uniform, that kind of thing. But um, we'll pick it up as we go along.
0: Yeah, all the walk-ons that you like, who is this guy? Um, right.
1: Another know. number five. <laughs> because, um, so. Anyway, uh, good stuff there. We touched on the corners earlier. Any big takeaways from you? I mean, I, we mentioned, you know, Trayvon Mullen looked the part. Two interceptions, including one for a touchdown. He's probably going to the league this year. AJ Terrell, or sorry, Terrell, um, maybe has some work to do, but he's still green in this defense, but very high talent level. Um, but yeah, Mark Fields, I mean, I think throughout the first half when he was getting most of his reps, he, he showed the showed you know, the fact that he's a senior leader on this defense um, going up against younger receiver talent and quarterbacks.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, one to three, I'm really confident. I'm really, really confident um in the cornerbacks. Obviously we saw what happened with like depth concerns last year. Like we were down to our, you know, our, we're down to Ray Ray playing corner for us. So that, you know, that's always going to linger and Le-, Le Anthony Williams probably isn't there quite yet. I mean, you're, you're okay. Like, but, hey, you know, like with all of our schedule or most of our schedule, I think we can win with Lee Anthony Williams if that's the worst thing we throw out there. Um, but the good news, too, is we have Mario Goodrich and Kylie McMichael on the way, at least a, at least a, so we have warm bodies out there and they their athletic as hell. So, um, But, yeah, I mean, I, not a whole lot other than I, I still, despite A.J. Terrell's, you know, issues not defending Higgins, I still think of him as an elite player.
1: Well, and and talk about that, being thrown into the deep end as well, just in, in terms of expectations. Um, right. I guess with, with Lee Anthony Williams and you mentioned the, the two new freshmen coming in, you hope, and this this maybe is tipping our hand a little bit to how we're going to approach the pre, the season preview stuff, but you sort of hope Clemson's in a position where we have put games away and we can afford on defense to bring in the younger guys that need the reps versus we're trying to hold on to leads, um, you know, hold on to leads late or overcome you know, deficits in games. Um, And we can't really afford to have, you know, a mistake happen in the the secondary.
0: Yeah. And, you know, that's interesting. Like in a lot of uh, positions, or I shouldn't say a lot, but in some positions, Coach uh, Dabo will, he'll he'll rotate in players. And so they're all, they're getting first team reps. They're getting meaningful action. But what I found with uh, our secondary guys, um, particularly safeties, but a little bit cornerback as well, he won't do the rotating as much. We did a little bit last year. We did, but we had we had like experienced depth. But I will be interested like beyond just garbage time. Are we rotating in? You know, are we getting players real like meaningful first team type reps? So, but I, I think our schedule is is nice enough to us that it we should have we should be able to do as much as we want. And not to mention, if there are injury issues to Trayvon or um, AJ Terrell or if our fields, like we should be just fine to let them give them a game, give them two games, let them get back to good health. And let's like let's play the long game. Yeah,
1: it makes sense. Um, any any commentary or takeaways on the safeties? I mean, I think the best safety play on the day I saw was by Christian Wilkins. In the last uh, series.
0: I mean, given the depth issues, he maybe like he's got to be at least the third or fourth stringer. Yeah, um, not not like in this game. Like it seemed like the linebackers and the defensive line were already harassing the the ball carrier or the quarterback before the safeties could get. Uh, too involved. I think Kavon Wallace did have the one play. Like I think he's going to be great. I, I mean, I think he's he's a really good player. Um, like there will be depth issues, but I'm not like in terms of first team talent. Like all across the secondary, there's really no worries there.
1: And did I see? I think Cornell Powell took a snap or two in the secondary. I'm not sure if it was cornerback, but looks no like way. he had a tackle. Unless that tackle was on. Is it special
0: teams? Maybe the
1: tackle was on an interception. <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, but I read a I read mm-hmm. a TigerNet link about Cornell Powell potentially playing some on the defensive side.
0: I mean, I've thought about this. Uh like he would like there's all these like Kelly Bryant should play safety and all that all that garbage. Um but if there's one player that could make that transition and have like the requisite athleticism, physical tools, um I I think it would be Cornell Powell, and obviously the opportunities there. Um, not sure that he wants to do that. You don't forget he was a top fifty uh, player out of high school. Like he probably wants to, you know, have a shot at receiver. But he could be a, a you know he would make sense if he made that transition.
1: Yeah, we'll see. I mean, maybe Ray Ray opened the door for that type of uh, migration. But yeah, I'm not putting any stock into it till we see it on the field. Right. Right. Um so yeah, that I mean, I think that kind of captures our sentiment on the defense. Um, Benables was his normal jubilant and then rage induced self on the sideline throughout this game. So that was fun to see. Uh, he was loving the Christian Wilkins antics at the end too. Um so yeah, I I mean, I think you talked about earlier, generally these spring games are won by the defense because you you do split the offensive line talent a bit and then you get the green quarterback play happening um but i thought i mean i don't know game was like what like higher 28 to 17 something like that um i would expect clemson offense against clemson defense at full strength to be i don't know where would you where would you put that game score
0: so first against like uh all your you're good on good yeah, that's good thing. on good yep it depends on the quarterback um if, and, and that's that's actually true like it's kind of a good comparison in that like we have a defense that's good enough to to simulate what Alabama's defense would be like so yeah I think our uh, I think the defense wins I think they, they would win I think we would kind of like what you saw with Trevor Lawrence if he were the starter even if Hunter Johnson were were starting I think you're going to have explosive plays but I think it would be hard for our offense to, to consistently move the chains but that's why explosive plays are the the number one indicator of winning football and that's why we need to you know, put the most emphasis on that this year, and, and the quarterback choice.
1: Yeah, makes a big difference for sure. Cool. Well, any other? I mean, we could touch on special teams. Not tons to take away here. Um, uh, Spence, he was kicking. He was kicking some punts. I'm pretty sure. And um, Hugo came out for that that exhibition, um, sort of field goal. He kicked four. Uh, but with the knee brace outside his pads, that was interesting to to put him out there. Um, we were talking a little bit about overreactions to this game and where you're going to see Clemson fans be super critical of some things. And um, I might have read something about, you know, is it smart to put Hugel out there if he still has ACC lingering issues? But I don't know. I'm fine with it. <laughs>
0: yeah, HCL? ACC? Oh, I don't know. Did we just <laughs> cut out? <laughs> Maybe we did. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know about. It. Yeah, I don't really know about. Like, I guess. I guess this is off leg, right? Your planning leg that he tore. Oh, I'm it, not
1: sure. Well, he exactly.
0: was his kicking leg is where he had the brace. Okay, so that's wow. yeah. well. Yeah. Hey, yeah. So we have depth at kicker. Um, I'm <laughs> glad. I don't. I don't get particularly excited. I know how important it is to the the overall team, but um, I don't get particularly excited. I know BT Potter is inspires will potentially be building the punts or not building, but kicking the punts. So that's, uh, that's exciting as exciting. It's like, it's like free throw shooting for me. I understand it's important, but I just don't get excited about free throw shooting.
1: I think I misspoke earlier and said Spence was kicking the punts. Uh, it was Spires. You're right. Unless Spence was planning on for the other team. I forget what, how they do it in the spring game. If they just have one set of punters, that they just let both teams use but
0: we'll have to get our resident special teams expert ben welty that's true um, yeah and uh because people like they need they need they need podcasts to go to sleep to, and i think that would serve it would serve that purpose
1: definitely uh we will ben will get his day in court to uh debate and discuss the spring game he was not in town uh to watch this one with us this week but we'll hear from him here soon enough um so, Cody, any other, any other big takeaways? What do you expect the, like, number one hot
0: take to be coming out of
1: the boards
0: around the internet this week? Hot takes. You know, all right, so here's, here's – I don't really have a good – we were doing some jokes about hot takes, um, and that's just like your, you know, your Stephen A. Smith. Should Dabo be fired if he does not start Trevor Lawrence? Like, no, you know, we're not going to do that. But I guess some of the, some of the animosity that I see – um, I think it's pretty clear. Um, it's pretty unanimous that we want, that Clemson Nation wants a, a different quarterback than Kelly Bryant. But there's always these people that also want Kelly Bryant not as the quarterback. They want someone else. But they defend him. And they like they see Kelly Bryant not starting or someone saying we should start someone over him as a slight. And, you know, it's anti-Clemson in that, well, you know, you got to go defend, you know, his resume of 12 and, what was it, 12 and 2 or 13 and 2, whatever it was. Uh, You don't have to do that. Just like understand, to say that someone should start over Kelly Bryant isn't necessarily a knock on Kelly Bryant. It's just to say that there's someone better. That's all it means. That's all it means. Cody,
1: if Dabo starts Kelly Bryant, is he pushing Trevor Lawrence into the arms of Saban?
0: I think so. (laughs) That's probably the best one that you came up with there.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that and uh, I think he's risking the dynasty. Uh, of Clemson that he's built by just messing around with the quarterback carousel here. So, either of those, you can kind of quote the podcast on if you need to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's going to be, you know, part of this is uh, Chris Fowler, um, despite calling him Hunter Lawrence to start the game, uh, had a great tweet. He, you know, thanked Clemson, said it was great. And then he's like, he threw a quarterback controversy memo in his tweet um, about the spring game yesterday. And the media loves this. They love, they, they're going to drum this up. They're going to run with this as much as possible. I don't know that Tiger illustrated T shaking the Southland. I don't know that quote unquote Clemson media are the ones that are going to be seeking this to become a story, but I think it it's clickbait. It draws clicks. It draws eyeballs. It draws discussion. Um, and I think the team's going to pick the quarterback. It's going to be most likely to win us games. We'll see who that is. I mean, there's no bad option here for us. I think we, we either get a guy that is a playoff-level quarterback that uh, won us 12 games. You know, the debate is, can he beat Alabama? And we will discuss that ad nauseum leading up to the season. Um, and we'll see what he gives you in terms of development. I mean, yesterday, I don't think that's a forum where you're going to see his very best. You might need to see it on the field of play in the regular season to know if Kelly Bryant has taken a leap in terms of, you know, his timing and accuracy and those kind of things. But... Um, anyway, I think, you know, I'm tr- choosing not to overreact to anything I saw yesterday, but just to be appreciative that we've got a stable of awesome quarterbacks and we're probably going to win a crap ton of games with
0: any one of them. Yeah. Just kind of coming full circle. I am the most excited that I've ever been and, um, there's so much talent and I really think I, I feel you know, I, I don't want to jinx it, but I feel like more confident that we're we are a national championship contender than than 16. That's how much upside I think this team has. Uh, the ceiling is like the sky is the limit. Um, but yeah, like a whole a whole uh, off season we have to look forward to of of us, who will be the starting quarterback. So that's that's going to be fun.
1: Yep. Well, uh, we will certainly get a number of guest uh, guests on the podcast to discuss that and other developments on the team. We already already have a few of those in mind. Um, And we will hear from, we'll get Ben back on the pod here soon. I guess you and I have taken a little bit of a hiatus while he and Sam hold it down during basketball and baseball season. So appreciate you guys doing that and appreciate everyone tuning into the podcast. Um, If you want to catch our off season action or when we get into the season, all of that content, be sure to subscribe to us through your favorite podcasting app. We published a SoundCloud that's probably your best place to go. Um, to stream our stuff, if you're choosing not to listen through an app, um, and then we're also on Facebook and Twitter, Clemson Podcast on both of those. Take a look; we're on there, publishing stuff now and again um, when we're bored. So that's all I got, Cody. Anything else from you?
0: Yeah, that's that's all I've got. Yeah, just stay tuned. Um, tell a friend, and uh, yeah, like if we want to do a mailbag like during the off season, so like if you wanna you don't even have to like ask us a question, just like positive theory, you know, like tell us something, give us your opinion on something. We'll debate it. Yeah. Um, So that would be, I would, you know, Clemson podcast, one word at gmail.com.
1: Email us there. You know, you can direct message us on Twitter or Facebook or post publicly. We'll, we'll take it all. It's fine. Uh, Good, good call on that Cody. Well, uh, thanks everyone for listening. Appreciate um, all the listens, even during the doldrums of the off season here. Um, we do it for you guys. So thank you once again. And as always, go Tigers.